Hey everyone, and welcome to our podcast at the Eagle Community Church of Christ. My name is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister there. And uh, again, uh, we're so glad that you've joined us. Today we finish a series on biblical leadership. We've talked about uh, leadership in general. We've talked about elders, which are shepherds. We've talked about deacons. And today we talk about ministers. So my focus in this uh, sermon is just to look at what Paul has said to his minister friend Timothy uh, to kind of see what we should expect from ministers. Uh, we even dive into some of what Paul said about his own ministry. So uh, I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun to dive into, and I hope you will be blessed by it. Again, we want to just uh, invite you to our church anytime. Uh, we meet at the BSB CPA building here in Mont Bellevue uh, every Sunday at nine and at ten forty-five uh, for both worship. All right. Thanks again for joining. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Good morning again. Again, it is good to be with you uh, today as we finish our series on biblical leadership. Uh, So I I hope that it has been a blessing to you as we've gone through the scriptures. We've uh, kind of taken a deep dive into what leadership is. We've talked about shepherds. We've talked about deacons. And today we talk about the best one, ministers, right? Uh, that's where that's where we're and the church said amen right I got uh, I told them first service I said that and everybody laughed I said I get more response when I you know say something like that than a amenable moment amenable is a word uh, that I just made up uh, but again we we're gonna focus on uh, what does it mean to be a minister what does uh, what does scripture say that that ministers do and so we're gonna spend our time uh, today uh, in that. Uh, this is a slide that, that you've seen probably several times now where we talked about shepherds, deacons, and then ministers. And we're going to spend uh, our time together uh, in these two uh, places, in Timothy and in Romans. So 1 Timothy 4 is where Paul kind of outlines what Timothy's job is as a minister. Romans 15, where, where we will begin in a second, Paul calls himself a minister of Christ who proclaims the gospel of God, and we'll read that uh, right now. Romans 15, starting in verse 15, yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So what we see in this is that Paul's understanding of what who he is as a minister is that there's going to be some kind of teaching involved. He's going to go out. He's going to talk to these Gentiles in order that they understand the gospel, which means what? The good news of God. And he says, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So the idea of uh, for Paul is that ministering means I'm going to go to these people and try to tell them about the good news of God, what Jesus has done for them, in order that their lives are impacted and they become this this holy, uh, acceptable thing to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He continues, well, uh, we'll continue in 2 Timothy 1, as Paul writes to Timothy. And he says this, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 
So as Paul writes about what he's going to do as far as reaching the Gentiles, or as he writes to Timothy about being a good minister, he is writing with the understanding that ministry is hard. Anybody know that? Anybody thinking about, hey, I'm going to be a full-time minister? That sounds great because it's always just smooth sailing, right? Nobody, no church people ever complain, nothing. Uh, no, that's not what we find. But, but what Paul does here is he reminds Timothy, you have been given this gift, this Holy Spirit uh, that has been given to you, and that Spirit does not make us timid. It doesn't make us bashful and shy. It gives us this, it says, it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, when you see power uh, in the New Testament, what you should think most times is ability. That's what that word means. You, you can, you're able to do this. Because when I said, who wants to be a full-time minister, for a lot of us, we, we think there's no way I could do that, like ability-wise. I don't think I could do that. But, but what Paul is, is telling Timothy here is, You've got to remember the gift you have that allows you to have the ability to do this. And you, you not only do this, you do it with love and self-discipline. Because on the rare chance that someone disagrees with you, you're going to need some love and self-discipline, right? Everybody with that? Okay, and that's, that's something that Timothy had to be reminded of. Uh, one other thing, I, I've shared this before, but... Uh, one of my uh, preachers back in Texarkana, he kind of shocked us one Sunday when he said, uh, you know what, as I've been in ministry, ministry a lot of times feels like a work in futility. He said, because you get up and you preach and you teach and you, you try to, to bring people to the word and understand the word and have that, you know, kind of get into their lives, but a lot of times you, you don't know if it ever gets in. You don't know if they actually heard or if they heard and don't care, uh, went in one ear and out the other, or if there's a long-term, like, there's something working in their lives. Timothy reminded here, you go out and you do this. You do it with love, with self-discipline. You keep going at it. He continues, so do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Now, when we think about ministry, we probably don't want to think about, rather join with me in suffering. Anybody got that over your, your front door at your house? It's like a football team. When y'all exit the house, you jump up there and slap it. Lord, I'm going to join with you in suffering today. We're not excited about that, are we? Uh, for a lot of us, when we think about, hey, could I be a ministry? Well, I, I couldn't do it. I don't have the, the ability. And sometimes it scares us because we understand the difficulty involved. And so we do kind of shy away. And that's why Paul says, hey, you weren't given the spirit of timidity. You're in a spirit of power. You are able to do this with love and self-discipline. And so don't be ashamed of any of this. He said, join me in suffering for the gospel. There are going to be some things that come up, and you got to get through, persevere. Uh, we'll read uh, some more about that. But it says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. That should be the motivating factor right there. Why do this? Why put myself through this at all? Because of what he did for me. Because the way God loved me, and he, 
He, he just gave me all of the grace. His grace flowed out over me when I was not worthy of anything because of him and how much he loves us. So Paul continues in 2 Timothy 4, and this is really, you're going to say, if we took a poll in the church about a minister's like job responsibilities, like we're going to write it out, we could get all kinds of things, couldn't we? It's kind of like a coach or anything else. I mean, everybody's got an opinion, you know, and who knows where we'll go. But this section of, of 2 Timothy here, uh, what you see is Paul telling Timothy exactly what his role is. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Preach the word. Be ready at all times. Now, what this doesn't say, which we might assume sometimes, is that memorize the whole word. Anybody know somebody that can really like, they memorize a lot of scripture? To me, that's not near as important as knowing what it means. But, but you know some people that can, can really memorize it. I am not a, a, a memorizer like that. I can, I've had to do the whole Sermon on the Mount for a test at Harding, which was, you can do it. You can do it. It's going to take some love and self-discipline to get through that too. Uh, but you can do it. But you need to understand the word as a minister. And, and again, that's, that's not something we should shy away from, but dive into. Um, and so preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. So just be ready at all times to do this work. Now, if it stopped right there, we would say, amen, yay, that sounds good. But he doesn't. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Everybody ready for that this morning? We're going to do some correcting and rebuking right now, right? And everybody felt real awkward and started, you know, heading to the back. I got to run the restroom. You hear the vehicle start up, right? But this is the job of a minister is to, to be able to correct, rebuke, and even the word encourage there is kind of the word for exhort. So I'm trying to tell you something so that you will understand it and change. I'm bringing you to that change uh, when, when you don't understand something, you understand something incorrectly. Uh, and, and that is not always a lot of fun. I know you probably can't imagine how that would go, but that's part of it. And, and one thing I'll tell you that, that Paul says here that we, we may not even be comfortable with because we haven't seen it in, second, in 1 Timothy 5, he said, he's talking about shepherds again. He's talking to Timothy. He says, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. Boy, that sounds like a lot of fun there. And, and this is a good test of how you view this whole, this whole series, biblical leadership. Because, again, if you're thinking of biblical leadership as uh, kind of how we've done it sometimes, like we're taking the world's model and it is about authority and power, you look at this and say, why would the, the hired guy go to the employer and, and tell them how to do stuff? We wouldn't do that. I mean, he's going to lose his job, right? But if you look at biblical leadership the way the Bible talks about biblical leadership, what you see here is that we are all parts of the body, that we are all to be there helping one another, encouraging one another, being there for one another. Notice this. He's talking about shepherds. He's talking about finding a shepherd who has been sinning. 
But what he doesn't say that we might do immediately is say, you can no longer be a shepherd of this church. You are gone. We need to leave this church because they won't step down or whatever. No. Now, there's an there's a instance where uh, if the shepherd does not turn, I think you remove the shepherd, okay? Because they're no longer an example to the church that we, is, we have studied. But right here it is, you go and you study with the, with the elder, and you take that, again, you take it very seriously, because if we've done it right, we have chosen people who have a proven track record of being examples to others. Even when they sin, that they show you this is how it's done, that we ask for forgiveness, that we make things right, that we, we, we take Scripture very seriously, and we're going to go to that, and there are examples in everything. So because you have picked these people well, you do this. You don't just take any kind of rumor. Anybody been uh, a victim of a rumor before? That's, that's a whole lot of fun too, isn't it? You don't take this as a rumor, but this is something that people have witnessed, okay? Two or three witnesses here. And then you go to them and you, you try to work this out. And then you have, to, you have to do this correction in front of everyone so they may take warning. That's a very important thing. He says, I charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. This is not any fun. This is what needs to be done. Again, not because of any kind of power struggle or I'm who's on, in charge or what the authority is. It is because we are all members of the body of Christ. And if we love each other that way, we will encourage each other. We will try to help each other. I've said several times that there are some weeks that maybe it's me that's down and you need to encourage me. Another week, it may be you that's down and I need to encourage you. And that's how we should see the body of Christ working together, loving each other, caring for one another, not canceling each other because I caught you in a sin. Because that's not helpful, is it? How does that build up the body? So we've got to be there for one another, even when it's not uh, fun. So we, uh, we talk about correcting, rebuking, encouraging, again, with great what? Patience. Anybody praying for patience right now? You know the word patience there means you're going to go through some things, right? You don't show patience. Man, I just showed all that patience to that great time in my life. No, it's the patience you show through things that are difficult, right? And that's when you have patience. He continues on. He says in verse 3 there, 2 Timothy 4, he says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. All right, I think the best example I can give of this is kind of the way we approach things politically right now, okay? How divided we are, okay? So uh, if I believe something, I, I'm, a, let's, uh, I'm just gonna pick on both sides, you know, Republican and Democrats. Don't, don't get upset at me. But if I'm a Republican, I listen to other Republicans. I listen to Republican types of radio. I have my news station that I believe is Republican, and that's the way I kind of solidify my beliefs by only hearing one side, right? Democrat, same way, right? I, I'm, I'm a Democrat. I'm going to listen to Democrat radio. I've got my news station that's a Democrat, all that stuff. And so instead of kind of understanding, you know, hearing from other sides, all we do is kind of heap up and solidify what we already believe. 
And that's why they say, you know, the political debates, when you have Republican versus Democrat, the only people that are really swayed by any of that are people who are truly undecided. You've seen, hey, the undecided vote is, you know, what we're here for. Because other people are just solidifying what they already know. And if you're a Republican, the Republican speaks, and you think, yeah, that's it. That's what I believe, too. If you're a Democrat, the Democrat speaks and says, yeah, that's what I believe, too, you know. And so all we do is solidify what we already believe. I have shared with you before that that's kind of the way I grew up in church. So the way I grew up in church was you didn't read something church-related unless you already agreed with it. Anybody else that way? Like we had a, we had a bookstore in a town nearby, and uh, uh, we would go there, and you could pick out other Church of Christ people as long as they agreed with us. So I remember Rubel Shelley uh, very vividly. I think I grabbed a Rubel Shelley book, and I was about you know I was talking to the lady about it, and she said, "Well, you can read Rubel Shelley up to about 1994, and then he changed his mind on some things, and you can't read him after that." And I thought, "Well, that's that's interesting." I don't know if it's 94, but you know somewhere in there. Uh, why wouldn't we deal with you know the dissenting opinion or a different opinion? And, and for me, I don't know if, how y'all are wired, but when somebody tells me that, I'm like, okay, now I'm definitely reading it. Now I really want to know what he said. But the, the thing is, is, is what we'll do even in church is that all we will do is we expect to come to church and you give me what I already agree with, even if Scripture doesn't say that. And so what, what ends up happening is uh, like when you're a kid, you've got kids or grandkids, they go off to college, and guess what? They don't have a filter where somebody's standing there saying, we can't talk about this, or this might make them a little uneasy, or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, they've got a crisis of faith because their church has never dealt with this thing. Because we haven't been open and honest. We haven't, we haven't dove uh, deeply down into Scripture. All we've done is kind of stayed at a, a surface level, trying not to... Uh, mess up the uh, the issues. I had a, a shepherd one time say, hey, uh, we're all good as long as my phone's not ringing. I got a lot of issues with that attitude, first off. What is a shepherd? What do we, what do we study? Uh, like the book, you know, they smell like sheep. That's what, that's what shepherds are. And so it, it's not about, we're so worried that a saved person is gonna go to another congregation uh, that we won't even talk about anything that might be something new. And so all we do is we end up heaping up these ideas that we already believe and just solidifying what we already believe, uh, and it doesn't matter after that. Now, if you go to, if you were to go today to uh, Oklahoma Christian or Harding or Lipscomb or anything like that, uh, one thing you would find out that when you wrote your first paper is that you don't just deal with people who you agree with. That would be basically intellectually dishonest to only deal with one side and not have to wrestle with the rest of it. So you need to hear from both sides and you need to do the research, the work, to actually dive into scripture and understand it. But oftentimes we are so worried about that that may throw us on shaky ground or something that when we do hear something that's a little different, this correcting, rebuking, all these encouraging, all these things, we don't know what to do because we're not used to it. This week, uh, Terry had the announcement. I appreciate him uh, saying those, those things. But um, I knew it was going to be a fun week when on Monday, so one day after I preached, I had 10 more podcast listens to that sermon than I did the whole week before. 
That's, that's the marker that you're going to have a, an exciting week right there. Because people, people heard something, that, oh, what, what do we do with this? So I either immediately rejected. Some people were contacting me saying, hey, I, I need a Greek-English lexicon. And I'm going, yes. We're studying. But it, it, it shouldn't take something that, that is uh, new to you or you know, something you go, oh, we should be in the Word all the time like that wanting to dive deeply and not just being this way because that's what Paul tells Timothy. There's going to be a time when people just want hear what they want to hear. You can think about churches that their whole existence is based on, we're going to tell the people what they want to hear. You know, if you have faith, you're going to get health and wealth. God wants you to have that nice car. He wants you to have that new boat. He wants you to have that that nice house, you just reach up and you grab God's blessing and then you read scripture and you go, where is that at? What, what do you mean I have to endure hardship? What do you mean I have to have patience through this stuff? And you see how we can do that? You see how we can grow big churches? Y'all wanna grow just a massive church here and, and we'll just base it on that John says you'll just get health and wealth? That wouldn't be right, would it? That wouldn't be preaching the truth. And so a lot of times truth kind of confronts us. A lot of times we have to, to kind of dig in and, and get to the bottom of things. He says, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Man, that language again, right? Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head in all situations. Now, Terry mentioned, hey, you ever have any issue with something? I say, come to me. We're, you know, I will say, I talked to my small group. I said, the only, the only rules I have is, A, we're going to do it in love, and if you show up angry, we're going to reschedule because that's not how we're doing things. The church should absolutely be the example for the whole world in how to deal with things, how to deal with things when we don't agree. There's absolutely no reason for us to sit here and look outside at our culture and gripe about it, a gripe about how we're so divided we can't come together when in our church we have no desire to do that. We should be people who, when we disagree, we come together in love and want to study. We want to be together. We want to do this the right way. And I'll tell you this, if you haven't been a part of a church that you have disagreed with anything in a long time, you haven't been doing enough study. That was one of the shocking things when I got into Harding, when I went to studying very deeply. Uh, we have classes where, I mean, it's college. You have to dive in. And so I was so used to things being up here that I wasn't diving down in. And so when I got there, it was kind of a shock to the system. Oh, man, there's a lot more here. There's a lot more to wrestle with. Again, a lot of times we come to Scripture thinking legal document. Paul has sat down, and he's just worn out some, um, some ink, just, just trying to tell us every scenario. And then you get Scripture open, and you're like, no, that's not what it is. And so there are a lot of things you have to wrestle with. You have to, okay, what, what does this mean? Now, I, I'm kind of learning Greek. Do you know people used to teach themselves Koine Greek? I would have hated to have to do that to myself. I had a great Greek teacher, and uh, I think Jordan said he did too, and that was a blessing. But people, because of their desire to learn and to understand what was actually happening there, because, again, we come to Scripture, and we have a motto like, we'll just read it, and we're very literal people. So we go, we'll just read it literally and everybody will decide that we agree on the same thing. Anybody still convinced of that? We are separated 2,000 years from the culture. 
we are using, you know, Scripture is using a, lang- a dead language that we have to learn that is, that is foreign to all of us. And so we really have to put in the work. Think of how Jesus taught as Jesus went around talking in parables, and he said, I teach in parables so that hearing they will not hear. What he said, and we may wrestle that because we think of Jesus trying to kind of lay it up there for us and everybody come to Jesus. But the way Jesus says he taught is if you're not really in it, you're not going to get it. You got to dive into this. You you, got to put some effort in to understand. And that's that's what he says he taught that way. And so we want to be a people, we want to be a church who is building a foundation of, of, of healthy discussion that we're able to deal very well with what Scripture says, even when we're like, oh, man, I didn't know it said that. I didn't know it said it in that way. Now I've got to go home. Now I've got to study. Now I've got to get a new resource. And we're going to talk about that this summer as I go through a series on uh, understanding the Bible, how to, uh, how to understand. We're going to talk about resources, all that good stuff. Uh, biblical leadership is never about rank, never about power. It is always about service to others. It is always done in humility, is always humble. Now, I have had this since the beginning. You remember, if you've been here since the beginning, you've seen this slide, and I would bet the hardest two for you on this is number one and number two. Because as we have studied this, you're still thinking rank, power, authority. Well, ministers, deacons, they've got this, they've got this power or authority. no. We have service in the way we serve the body of Christ. And that is what we do here. Never about rank, never about power, always about service to others, always humble. And if we're still thinking with this this mindset of how the world does things, we're still asking this question, who's in charge? That seems to drive everything. And again, that's a Gentile question because of this verse, these verses, Mark 10. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. You know those people, this is the way they do things. But he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Y'all weren't too sure about that, were you? (laughs) You must be your what? Servant, yeah. And whoever wants to be first must be what? Why doesn't it say show the most authority or power or have the... Uh, the best leadership qualities. The way that you gain power, if we were to say it that way, in in biblical leadership is you serve. You get out and you help the body. Again, this togetherness, this is not a, a hierarchy. This is all of us saying, Lord, I believe you and I want to follow you and we're going to do the best we can to do that. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Let me say it again. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, our example, tells us this. And we still, as many times as we've read it, I promise you, because we've been so conditioned to think rank, hierarchy, we come to the, when we talk about shepherds, deacons, ministers, all these things, we're thinking rank and hierarchy, even though Jesus says, not so with you. You're not ruling over anybody. You serve. Romans 14. I wanted to mention this. 
Because as you dive deeply into Scripture, you are going to have disagreements. Again, if you have not have any, had any disagreements with anyone lately, you have not been studying, I promise you, because there's a lot to wrestle with. Paul says this, though, because I want to kind of address how we deal with that. How do you deal with uh, when something comes up and you go, oh, man, I didn't, didn't know that, or that, that's, that's different. Paul says this, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Sometimes our initial reaction when we hear something different is we got to separate. Now, Paul doesn't say anything like that here, does he? Now, you know by, by reading other places in Paul, Paul will throw out his opinion, even on meat. And he'll say, we know that meat, you know, that's nothing. It's still just meat. But they have a hang-up on it, okay? And so there, there's a way you, you want to uh, have some respect for that. But you still, in Jesus' prayer for unity, Jesus didn't pray for uniformity where we all have to believe all the same things at once. Paul says, be convinced in your own mind. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to cross my arms and what I know, I know, and that's, that's the end of it. All right, study it. Do, do the work. And when you're done with that, be convinced of that. But we're still together in unity. We still love one another. We still come together and worship God because we, we believe the main things. We keep the main things the main things. And as long as you understand that Jesus is the Son of God and he came to earth to die for you because of how much God loved you, we can do a lot with just that. But if a difference to you means, every little difference means uh, we like to throw around like doctrinal error or I've just got to leave because you think that, you're not going to understand Paul's teaching here, are you? It's in, it was interesting when I went to school to talk to people who are, uh, is anybody uh, from like the Northeast in here or spent a bunch of time up there? Anybody? We're all kind of, okay, we're not from around there. I wasn't either. Uh, but to talk to people who, uh, I remember a kid that was from the Northeast, and he said, you know what, it seems like the churches here have a harder time dealing with things because up there, if we disagree, if we're going to run to the next church, it may be over an hour away. And so they have learned, hey, we've got to try and work this out the best we can. That's whether, you know, you disagree with something here, there's something, you know, in the church that's, you know, going on, Whatever. And so there's a, there, to me, I really respected that because then, okay, we're actually coming to people in love. We love and care for one another like we say we do, like God has called us to do. And that means we work things out. We try to come to the best understanding we can. We love each other. We build up the body. And I hope and pray that we are uh, a church that does that. He, he finishes this way. He says, for none of us lives lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Amen. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. That Jesus died for every single one of us. And I, I pray that because of that, because of the grace God has lavished on us, as we've read this morning, that we are people who care and care deeply about studying his word. And even though we're separated by so many years of culture and uh, a, a language that we don't understand, that we care enough to dive deeply. 
that we care enough to, to study things even from people that we might not agree with, but to come to a better understanding of God's word that we're able to dive in and work with this love and that we show, just as Paul challenged Timothy, to, to have that, that love and that patience as you teach. And so I pray that's the church we have here. If you, this morning, if you have come here and you have not had that desire to, to really dive in, we should be a church that, uh, yeah, my podcast number went up this week because uh, there were some assumptions, there were some uh, people who were like, what in the world? But we should be that way every week. I've told you so many times, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to go home and study, haven't I? I want you to go home and do the work. So the weeks that you agree, won't you go home and study? The weeks that you disagree, won't you go home and study? And if you need help with that, I'll be happy to, to direct you to some, some resources and all those good things. But may God bless us all with a desire to study his word to try and come to the best understanding of what he's given us throughout his scripture. If we do that, I know he'll bless this church. There's no need to go and preach something that's not in scripture, that, uh, that we need health and wealth, or, or somehow God wants that for all of us. We can preach truth, and we can be a church, again, open, uh, ready to discuss, ready to love one another, ready to build one another up. And so if you need that this morning, we'd love to pray with you, love to encourage you, love to do anything we can for you. Tyler's going to lead us in a song of invitation. Would you please stand?